Thanks for listening to this episode of Flash Hash. Check out the link to our YouTube page to watch Flash Hash and get an even better experience. Now on with the show. Welcome back to Flash Hash, everybody. We've got three topics of the week. Each of our hosts will get two minutes to talk about this topic. So hopefully everyone has done their research this week. We're going to have everybody do a little introduction. We'll start off with uh, Dr. Corey Petty. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Dr. Corey Petty. I'm uh, I'm the smart guy here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, in the square below, we have Jesse Santiago. Anything to say about yourself, sir? Uh, I'm the practical one, I'd like to think. Accurate. That is very nice. accurate. All right. Last, never least, we have D. Ferguson. I didn't know we were all putting up our planeteer rings today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am D. I am also known as AKA Black Zordon, uh, AKA Bitcoin D. Don't do Don't make that face, Corey. Everybody calls me Black Zordon. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> um, what is Zordon? There's a group of teenagers in a small town in the Midwest that I talk to, and they actually head. fight monsters. That's sort of okay. Sorry, Sorry. go ahead. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> they don't know they're talking to me, though. And uh, I'm the guy that um, brings the color. Let it sit. Let it sit. <laughs> Let it sit. We need to sit. <laughs> Let it sit. We got it. We got it. All right. And That's I am racist. the. Uh, Producer, is, is it no? You're Not if he's the one that said it. It's okay. I have a black it's friend. <laughs> yeah. Let's that, get into flash ash. Yep. And uh, my name is Christian. I'm the producer. Try and wrangle all these guys in. I'm doing a really great job so far. But first topic of the day, we're gonna start with you, Corey. We're gonna mix it up a little bit. You have two minutes. On I was hoping you wouldn't stop with me because I don't what? think they read the article. Uh, That's why I'm starting with you Excuse because <laughs> then you usually have stuff to say and they will bounce off of it. So you've mm-hmm. got two minutes. NASDAQ trading, Bitcoin, and ETH. Your two minutes starts now. Yeah, so I read the article that was posted um, and NASDAQ apparently is thinking about getting into trading uh bitcoin and cryptocurrencies doesn't necessarily say which cryptocurrencies as far as i can tell and also they're only thinking about it so for the longest time nasdaq has been um providing services to various exchanges but if they decide to jump into the ring um they're going at least in the united states they're going to be contenders with you know gemini coinbase so on and so forth so custodial services for exchanging cryptocurrencies and it looks like they've recently had a partnership with a large uh, firm in Brazil called XP, which is like another indication that they're thinking about taking another step. So they have, they've basically been providing services to exchanges, like, you know, what exchanges need because cryptocurrency exchanges for the longest time have just sucked because they don't have these things. And then they created a 12 session course on um, things to look out for in terms of regulations, taxes, the landscape of these things that was actually created by someone who has no idea what cryptocurrency is, but it's just a person you hire to make courses, at least as far as I can tell when I looked them up. And then now they've partnered with a Brazil firm to do something. So it's like, eh, whatever. They're just, they're just trying to play their course. I don't think they're ever going to like enter the ring to become real contenders with like 
the large exchanges like Coinbase and Gemini and those others that are, you know, in the, at least in the United States. 20 seconds. 20 seconds. I'll keep yeah. going. Yeah. Uh, if they do and they like full force come into it, then I think that would be pretty interesting because a lot of the larger financial firms are probably more comfortable or already have accounts with a large number of kind of like, I don't know, I don't know what the right word is, equity, uh, room to buy stuff, whatever that word is, in NASDAQ well, versus some of the smaller places like Coinbase. Time. Good, good, good. All right. Uh, Jesse, Mr. Practical, you got two minutes to talk about NASDAQ trading. All of this crypto, two minutes starts now. So NASDAQ is the first I'm going to read this off. It's the world's first electronic exchange. It operates in 29 markets, has one clearinghouse and five central securities depositories in the US and Europe. Most of the world's technology giants are listed on the NASDAQ. So I think that Corey's wrong. I think the NASDAQ will list BTC and ETH. Uh, but the thing is, um, I think BlackRock is going to need a lot of different exchanges to push its its funding through. So I think they're going to use Coinbase. They're probably going to push it through NASDAQ because of old relationships, probably. Um, I think that a lot of the there's there's a there's a an aspect of the article that details surveillance tools that um, NASDAQ provided uh, Gemini and BitGo uh, and Coinbase with. So it's called Verifin and uh, another uh, surveillance software. So I think that I think that uh, the NASDAQ will actually list Bitcoin and Ethereum. All right, we still got it. like 45 seconds. Do you want to keep this time for later? See what happens? You want to keep talking? What's your I'll, plan? I'll pass it. I'll pass it okay. to D. All right, D, you've got an extra 40 seconds if you want it, but your two minutes starts now. Okay. Can I take the 45 seconds? Yeah, you can take it if you want. Go for it. All right. I'd like to take the first 15 of those 45 moment of silence. Because I'm about to wreck these two. That's too long. Moment of silence is a podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's a moment of silence not gonna happen. But get out noted, of the matrix. I'm, noted I'm for joking. the record, sir. Um, so I'm gonna piggyback off of Jesse here. Jesse's right. Corey's wrong. Um, and it is because it's it's because well, I will say that there is a there's a middle ground between those two that that, that they just uh, they submitted a request. So now I've been approved yet by the old governments for them to trade custodially for rich people. Um, I want to bolden that that last thing that I just said. This is going to be for rich people. Uh, so if you're if you're a broke sucker, <laughs> Jesse broke. Sucker. I got I got news for you. It's not going to be for you. Um, but they're going to do it because it aligns with Nasdaq. Nasdaq is the tech. Exchange as Jesse just outlined, uh, completely off the cuff. By the way, Jesse, I appreciate you digging a little bit further than the first layer. It's pretty dope. I dug but you. Get out of here. There, um, <laughs> I did not. You guys dug both. Okay, I so just, the Nasdaq point is nineteen trillion, right? Excuse, so they can't push whoa. all that through Coinbase. Whoa, whoa, so they whoa, need whoa, 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 whoa! You, whoa. Gave, up, you <laughs> gave up your forty seconds. Whoa. Personal foul. Personal foul. No. no. Personal foul. So what the Nasdaq did is they traded nineteen. What you just say, Jesse? Nineteen trillion, dude. Nineteen trillion dollars worth of tech security stocks 
Um, they're going to do it because Bitcoin is techie, right? I mean, anytime there's not a bull market, I'm the nerdy tech guy of my friends and my family. Like, oh, what's going on with crypto? You big tech nerdy guy, nerdy tech guy that knows how to reset his router. And I'm like, okay, um, not much. Listen to my show because I'm tired of telling you. I've been telling you for a decade. <laughs> um, so it's NASDAQ's going to trade Bitcoin and Ethereum because those are the two that look like they're the safest right now. I don't think they're going to dive down deep into the old chicken dot farm, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, it was an uh, endorsement from Dimitri. So um, that's it. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to date. I'm not going to debate because I, I didn't dig as deep as these two fellas did. But I do know they're going to do it because it's safe and it's a tech play. It aligns with the brand. And they need that money. They like Richard. Can't wait to money. tell you I told you so. All right. Market. Somebody do that thing. Market. Put it in the comments. It's been noted in the record yeah, that it was it. <laughs> Corey's gonna remember strictly for the oh, vengeance. Yeah. Does Jesse get to start out with I, a minute? Of my memory that's intact, and that is things I told you so about. He got a penalty. A minute thirty. He got a thirty second penalty. Message. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't give you <laughs> no no penalties were handed out by me. That's not your purview. You're <laughs> Are you Drew Carey right now? Are you Drew Carrying us? I'm taking the points. I'm taking them away. None of the All matter. Right. Yes. That is <laughs> if only I were paid that. That'd be Drew Carey might be insane. All right. Next topic is proof of work going to go extinct. Starting with you once again, Dr. Corey Petty. Two minutes starting now. No. <laughs> I agree. Uh, <laughs> why? Uh, so. When you look at the major differences between proof of work and proof of stake, um, like there's a tremendous amount of subtle differences and uh, what type of security guarantees they offer and kind of what properties they offer for the overall blockchain in terms of security and liveness and retrievability and all this stuff. It just, just looking at the fundamental difference of how it works you, with proof of work, you take an external resource, and then you apply it to the blockchain and then it mints tokens. So the value of the minted tokens comes from some resource that's external to the blockchain and proof of stake is the opposite. The value of the token comes from the internal resource of the blockchain. Um, I think just based on that differentiation, there will be some form of proof of work always because people will like the idea of thinking about a distribution of value being more fair outside and external that the underlying blockchain can't, can't control. So for Bitcoin, that's power uh, as it's converted from hashing into the blockchain. So that's where the, like the base layer value comes from. Hard to determine that for a proof of stake blockchain. But then you look at into like some of those more subtle differences in terms of a proof of work blockchain will always move forward. So it always has liveness, but it has probabilistic finality, meaning that you don't, you, it takes a long time depending upon how it works to then come to the conclusion that a given transaction, the blockchain cannot change. 15 seconds. Um, so like it's always going to exist because it's different. And so we have a different bunch of different ways to come to distributed consensus and it being uh, a sufficiently diverse one, it should always exist. Yeah, just perfect timing. Look at you. I got my timings down. He's so good you at talking. This. You got this. He, he talks good. It's true. I talk good. You talk good, <laughs> sir. 
All right, Jesse, you uh, already added in a little bit of an opinion earlier, but your official two minutes starts now. Yeah, I agree with what Corey was saying. I think that it's uh, to, to do what D does, uh, create an analogy in a different domain. Uh, it's like it's like combustion engine cars uh, versus electric vehicles. You know, electric vehicles may be cool because people think they're green, but there are people who just want to go fast. Uh, and burn gasoline. And you that's, can go that's, fast in a fucking EV, man. I, yeah, okay, but the acceleration, <laughs> the acceleration is is from zero to sixty is faster in electric because they they have direct torque. But for for gas, I think gas cars, combustion engine cars, they go faster with a top higher top speed unless you go hybrid. Like, uh, um, man, if you had caught me a few years ago, I was totally into this. But yeah, no. Well, I proof of work, time. though, not combustion <laughs> engines, but that proof of work you were saying. That was a long go. Yeah, no, no, like it, yeah, proof of work will always have a place. I, I think Corey's right. It's just that it, it offers a different way of converting, like uh, converting a a given resource that is actually, like Corey was saying, is external to the blockchain versus, like you know, proof of stake, which is like tokens that are are minted. Um, actually that's that's an interesting point so like a lot of people have been talking about the centralization that proof of stake brings where um you really can directly buy your way into having tokens versus in proof of work you know generally you bring some sort of um like Corey's saying external resource whether that's you know a hard drive or whether that's um some sort of um asig gpu cpu to actually crunch through the the uh, hashing uh, function so I think I think proof of work will always have a place perfect timing again there this is good do you if your timing isn't perfect you're gonna look like a fool at the end of this round so let <laughs> I me mean, get ready you've got two minutes is proof of work going to go extinct your time starts now I am going to go way against what anyone thought I would say here. And I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I'm going to drop that bomb. All right. And the reason I'm dropping the bomb of yes is because I feel like the value that proof of work supports is a narrative that is going to also dwindle down and go extinct. That, that, that uh, separation of money and state that the, the real political reasons why Bitcoin caught that big old blaze to begin with were just ideologies that will never be popular uh, because that that crypto anarchy, anarchy is only fun on paper. Anarchy is not fun in real life. And, and people like to disagree with me because like, no, I can be totally cool and calm and not chaotic when anarchy is afoot. No, you can't. When somebody punches you in the face and takes your stuff, you no longer like anarchy. Uh, and I know you're going to, oh, that's not the definition of anarchy. Okay, cool. I'm not going to argue that. We're not going to go into that because it's stupid. It, it goes down to a stupid cul-de-sac, and I don't live on stupid street. All right? Now, it's going to go extinct because what Ethereum proved is that you don't have to have all that physical stuff to be secure and uh, run a network. And that's what governments like. They like to have control over things. So if it ever came to it and they wanted a CBDC, or they wanted something that they could have absolute control over uh, by just pouring a bunch of money into it, they'll do that. They'll do seconds. that real fast. 
So I do think that proof of work will go extinct because there will be no need to support the narrative that kind of actually supports the the, the energy being spent. So without that narrative, that energy doesn't need to be spent. And that narrative will dwindle over time. So Dindle. That was actually like Dindle. down to the second perfect. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> he started he to stop. That. He started he a stopwatch like out of the screen. Like, oh he's been know. he's been rehearsing this past this whole week. No, I didn't. No. <laughs> Lies. Okay. All right. Topic number three. This one's a bit of a mouthful. Uh do VCs hijack growth by blindly injecting capital into different networks? So we've got two minutes for Corey starting now. Let's see. Do VCs hijack growth? Um, yes. If you mean by hijack growth, change the direction in which growth occurs. Um, that's if you think about what D was just talking about, the original narrative of Bitcoin was um, very much an anti-government, uh, no jurisdictional public good money um, that isn't necessarily supported by a VC firm throwing money at a project and the efforts of gaining value off of that project in the long term. Because the growth, the point of a VC is to make money. It's, it's not to, now they will always have some form of um, directional investment strategy, but it's in the end to make money. They think that that investment strategy, whether it be impact investing or the tech market or, or crypto, it's, it's, we think this thing will grow tremendously. Therefore, we're injecting money in it earlier now in order to reap profits later. And so the whole idea of a VC is to make money. And what that does is it changes the, thing, the things that they fund. Uh, it changes their mentality to something that isn't focused on making a public good. Their focus is on appeasing shareholders and listening to VCs so that they can maintain their capital they need to stay afloat. So I think that definitely VCs have, they, they do hijack the growth by throwing money into something that sometimes they don't understand because they're hyped up on a market that is incredibly overhyped. Uh, and it, it, it dwindles that original narrative or um, potential to grow a company in such a way that allows you to build in the manner required to make public goods. All right. Just a couple seconds left. Good timing. Once again, Jesse, you were awful quiet during Corey's turn this time. So I'm going to be curious mm -hmm. about your thoughts. You've got two minutes starting now. So when I looked up... Um when I looked up discount rates that VCs use and why they justify such steep uh, rates. So, so first off, um, when you're valuing the investment of a dollar into a business, um, different uh, entities use different um, rates and diff and have different like risk profiles for those investments. Um, for VC firms in the crypto space, they generally use discount rates anywhere between 30 to 70% and have time horizons for recouping their investments in, in a period of two to four years. So uh, to kind of what Corey was saying, they, they can and will change the direction of a project if it means that they're not on schedule uh, to make their money back. Um, they also ensure that, you know, there's enough exit liquidity for them to pull their money out as well. 
Um, and generally the terms of agreement for token distributions, if they go token versus equity, um, are in favor of VCs before the founders, before even the founders. Um, so, so yes, to answer the question, yes, VC firms can definitely hijack the uh, growth of startups. Uh, that said, it's kind of weird where we have like the model of like most DAOs uh, existing as some sort of source of funding for a lot of startups when the DAO is not the subject matter expert uh, in the in the actual uh, content matter that these startups are trying to build a business in. So it, it makes it a little bit hard for VCs or, or this entity that represents like a DAO treasury to be able to completely understand the goals and processes of the startups to help them succeed. Okay. Nice rap, dude. You guys are spitting. So sobering. You guys are spitting. <laughs> Dang. Top that, D. Mm. I don't think I can. Well, you got two minutes to try starting now. Do VCs hijack growth by blindly injecting capital? I say yes, they absolutely hijack the growth of it all. I think, like, I think Corey, he said it. And Jesse, you said it as well, just more practical. You said uh, that they're just trying to make a return on that old investment. You know what I'm saying? And I, the reason I, I – VCs were one get on my nerves because I only see a dude with a long ponytail with his hands behind his back walking across the stage saying that he wants to save the world. And those things are so annoying. Trace commas, like, man. <laughs> like they're all, they all want to change the world. And it's annoying because it's like, no, you don't, bro. You want to make profit. You're trying to get rich. Just say you want to get rich. You think it's a good idea. So you put money on the right horse and that horse wins. You get rich. Like, I'd be cooler. if you, I'd be less annoyed if you just said, I want to get rich. It's like, it's a refreshing. It's right. Uh, I want to see D as a VC. Sorry. That'd note. be fun. Yeah. Would it be? Because I have a ponytail. He was like ultra rich. He's just throwing money at things and then yeah. just listen to the conversations hey, that D's I'll having try. with people. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm doing a little something, trying a little something, something on the side, but uh, I, I'm I'm straight from the get go. Hey, how you making money? How you are you making any money? And then when I start to see sales, I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Now, when do I get my money? <laughs> Because you're getting your, I want mine now. Because I get a little bit. Oh, thirty shit. seconds. Sorry. So uh, if you do he's VCs hijack growth? Absolutely, they hijack growth because I think that they they see one little aspect or one protocol or one thing like NFTs, for example, and they're like, pour all the money in that. Let's get some, and then the whole crypto industry gets sidetracked with NFTs, which ninety-seven percent of them suck. Bows, right? And so you now have an entire industry that's hijacked by VCs blindly thinking they can make a lot of money off of NFTs. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, that was uh, Flash Hash. Anybody's watching or listening, Flash Hash. go to our YouTube page, watch other things, find us on <sighs> Sounder, and listen to all of our other things too. Hashgenow.com. Very interesting. Yeah, hashingitout.com. We have a website. We, we have actually a website. Hashingitout.com. What was that, what was that website was again, Corey? Hashingitout.com. That's H-A-S-H-I-N-G-I-T-O-U-T dot C-O-M. You can even use www dot if you're 60 or above. Oh.